Tonight, I want us to read out of the book of John, chapter 8, verse 37. We'll begin there, and we'll go into our passage here. It says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. This is Jesus talking. He says, you, uh, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God as Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and, and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are, listen to this, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear because you are not God's. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious opportunity it is for your bride to gather together tonight in honor and in worship of you. Lord, how we long for the day to see you face to face. How we long for the time that we get to be with you in that glorious wedding supper one day after a while in heaven. Lord, we know that your coming is soon, and Lord, we pray that your church be ready. As a bride is adorned for her husband, Lord, we pray that, that we'll be without spot or blemish and that you'll find us faithful. You'll find us looking and anxiously awaiting your arrival. Lord, as your church, we pray that we can be the light of this old dark world. And, Lord, that everything that we say or do tonight, Lord, will be to glorify you and your glorious kingdom to come. Lord, while we're in this world, we pray that you use us in a mighty, mighty way. May you receive all glory and all honor for everything that we do. In Jesus' name, we ask you to lead us and guide us tonight in our message, your message. Lord, may you anoint us tonight, Lord, to preach the truth, to teach the truth, and to receive the truth and to apply the truth to our lives. God, give us the, uh, the, uh, the will to do your will and to surrender all to you and to follow you in all that we do in life, Lord Jesus, because there's nothing greater, there's nothing more important than, than living for you obediently as children of yours. Well, Lord, we ask you to lead us and guide us tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we've been going through this discourse. Jesus is in the midst of uh, a great deal of tension here in Jerusalem. 
It's here, uh, he's openly teaching in Herod's temple at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it seems like we've been here at the Feast of Tabernacles a while, but it's a long discourse here that Jesus is, has, uh, is having over about a three-day period that he is conversing back and forth with uh, his opponents or with the, with the Jewish leaders and with the Jews. Um, as we noticed the last time, the Jews that uh, profess to believe, but when it got down really to it, we come to find out that, that they really were not true believers. But Jesus, uh, the, the Jews, they were astonished. They were saying, how has this man, how has this man become learned having never been educated? This man spoke as one that, who had authority. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke as no man had ever spoke before. Jesus didn't seek his own glory from men. See, that's totally unlike men. That's totally unlike mankind. Mankind wants to be glorified. Mankind wants to be built up and told how wonderful they are and how well thought of they are. But the Lord Jesus Christ did not come to do that. His brothers encouraged him, go down into, into, into Jerusalem so that, so that you'll become famous, so that people will know you. And so Jesus didn't come to, to become famous. He didn't, uh, he didn't come to be a star, but he came not to glorify men. He came to glorify his Father, the one who sent him. That was his purpose for coming to, it, to this earth, was to glorify his Father. And this portion of the discourse between Jesus and these unbelieving Jews becomes very, very contentious. The words that we just read were very strong words. If we take them at face value, these, are, these, these would be harsh words if they weren't the truth. But they're absolutely the truth. So Jesus laid claim to the fact, or the Jews laid claim to the fact, that Abraham was indeed their physical father. In the flesh, he was their father. They were descendants of his. They were blood and, and flesh of his. They as Jews, however, they relied upon the law. They were educated in the law. They boasted in God and they boasted in the law, the very law that they themselves were transgressors of, the very law that they themselves uh, did not keep. Their hope was based upon false security. Their hope was based upon the fact that they were descendants of Abraham. They believed that they were guaranteed in, in entrance into the kingdom of heaven because they were descendants of Abraham. They were his offspring. The truth is, according to Paul in his letter to the beloved of God in Rome, he wrote in Romans 2.28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart. You see, this is all a matter of the heart. Being born again, being regenerated, being made anew is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our thinking. It's a matter of our want to. It's a matter of our will. It's a matter of our desire. All a matter of the heart. Verse 29 says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter, 
And his praise is not from men, but from God. Ethnic descent from Abraham and physical circumcision count for absolutely nothing apart from the circumcision which is of the heart. We want to, you want to know what's wrong in America? It's hearts. The hearts of men have grown cold. The hearts of men have grown hardened. Harden not your heart, the Bible says. But men and women all over have hardened hearts. We've seen a demonstration of this as our president has been in, 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 uh, in the doctor's care. He's been in the hospital very sick. And the anger and the hatred and the murderous attitudes that we've seen, this, my friend, is hardness of the heart. We have heart problems among the people of this generation. No love for one another. No real true love hardly exists anymore. If it's not in the church, you won't won't find it anywhere. Not true love. Not not love that, that will go continuously. But man is constantly, hey, he has a heart problem. He needs the cleansing of his sins that is made possible by the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. If there's any good in you or me today as far as the heart goes, it's because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence and it's cleaned us up from the inside and it will surely show to the outward parts. Apart from that, all the promised blessings and the advantages of the Jewish people, of which are many, ultimately mean nothing, though, for these folks who are proclaiming to be descendants of Abraham. No one has ever been saved merely by having Abraham as an ancestor. Abraham was not the hope that they needed. It is the only, only the believing remnant who will be saved. Those who truly believe in this man named Jesus that they are standing here having um, an argument with, that they're mocking him. And they've earlier, they've called him a demon. He's the only hope that they have. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to the Galatians, Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. My friend, it takes faith. It takes faith in Christ. That is the only hope that there is. That's it. Therefore, therefore, so then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Abraham believed, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. In fact, the Lord mentions later in this chapter here in John 8, 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Jesus is saying, your father Abraham, he rejoiced to see the day that I would come to this earth. And he saw it and was glad. I'm going to be glad one day. When I get to see my Lord face to face, Hebrews eleven thirteen says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. We are a distance from heaven right now. I believe we're, we're a breath away, but it's a distance. We can't get there by boat or train, by car or plane. 
But we know that it's a, it's a one heartbeat away for the, those that are born-again believers. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And that's what we have to look forward to if we know Him as Lord and Savior. And having, cons- and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles upon this earth. You see, way back then, 2,000 years ago, and on back into the Old Testament, during the time of, of uh, Abraham, they knew that they were exiles in this world. Today, you and I are exiles in this world. We are strangers. We are pilgrims passing through. Don't get too comfortable. Don't prop your feet up too high and get too relaxed in this old world because this old, this old world is going to end. Your time upon it is going to run out, and you're going to be eternally in the joys of the Lord if you're born again. What a reality. The reality is, in contrast to Abraham's descendants, Abraham looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. He longed for the day to get to see the Messiah come into this earth. He didn't see it while he was here. But here he is before his descendants, and they're making a mockery of him. They're laughing and they're scoffing. But here's what Jesus had to say to them in John 8, 37. He said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. To the Jews' astonishment earlier earlier in chapter 7, Jesus came right out and he asked the question, why do you seek to kill me? To which the multitude answered, you have a demon. You've lost your mind. You're insane. Who seeks to kill you? But the Jews knew, or Jesus knew their thoughts, and he he knew their hearts. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows the thoughts and hearts of every man, woman in this world today. He knows every thought that we have. There's nothing hidden from from him. But it was for that very reason that the Lord remained in Galilee and ministered rather than going into Judea because they were seeking to kill him down there in Judah. But here in verse 37 of chapter 8 in Herod's temple, during the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus answered his own question. He says, you seek to kill me because, look at this, because my word has no place in you. My word has no place in you. Now something is drastically wrong. The very Messiah that Abraham had hoped for was the Messiah that his descendants wanted to destroy. They wanted to dispose of him. They wanted him out of the way. Figuratively speaking, the words of Jesus has no place in them. That is, they have no place for the revelation from God. They were in no uh, condition to receive the word of God. They were not receptive to his teachings. It's likely that their hearts, their hearts and their minds were filled with their own worldly flesh, with their own lust, with their own fleshly desires, rather than truly, truly seeking the God whom they claim to know. I believe we live in a world where many people claim to know God, but right and left in their day-to-day lives, they completely debunk that whole notion that they know God because your sins will find you out. You will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. 
Today, many call you judging if you call a fruit tree an apple tree, if you call it an orange tree. But the Bible says that you will know a, fruit, a, a tree by the fruit that it bears. It's not judging. It's using the good sense that God gives us. He says that you will know the tree by the fruit. And things have changed so much in the past 30 years, the past 40 years. Churches used to be very excited, very fired up about the Word of God. There used to, used to be many people being saved, many people being baptized, many revivals breaking loose, cottage meetings, tent revivals, brush arbors. People loved the Lord. Today, man is so preoccupied with the things of the world. He's so preoccupied with his own desires, with what he wants to do with his own life, because after all, it's his. It's mine, 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 and I'll live it how I want to. I did it my way, as Frank Sinatra said it. That's the way many people are living it it today. But as born-again believers, we should be living it God's way. Verse 38, he says, I speak these things which I have seen with my Father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your Father. You see, unlike the Jews, Jesus is obedient. He's an obedient son. He's obedient, and he follows the teachings of his father. He was completely obedient and submissive. We live in a day and age, and I sound like a broken record, I know, but we live in a day and age when many folks think that you can be a Christian, yet in your life you deny him, yet in your life you don't show obedience You don't show genuine love for him. There's something wrong when we don't seek him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's something wrong when we don't desire holiness and righteousness above the things of the world. Our conduct will tell on us. The Bible says that your tongue will speak what's in the heart. Be careful what your tongue says. It'll tell on you. Be careful where you go and what you do because it'll tell on you. You don't work. You don't do works to earn your salvation. You you do works which show your salvation. It will tell on us. It will tell on us. There's no hiding it from God anyway. But he was completely obedient, Jesus was. Perfect example. He was completely submissive. He was the perfect example. He truly honored his father. He was perfect in his examples for you and I to follow. Jesus didn't come to be a cool, kind kind of guy and then us live life however we want to and claim the blood. Christ was from the very presence of the Father. So what he spoke was only God's word. He spoke. He only spoke the things. He only spoke the very things which God wanted him to speak because he was perfectly obediently. He was perfectly obedient. Why is it important for us to be obedient? Because Christ was obedient. Church, the Bible knows nothing of belief without obedience. The Bible knows nothing of belief without submission to his holiness and his righteousness and taking up our cross and following him, living in a way that would be 
opposite of what the world is living. If we're going along with, with the world, we're not going along with God. If we love the world, we're an enemy of God. That's what the Scriptures teach. I know that's not what you hear a lot these days, but it's the truth. If you dig, if you dig into the Scriptures, you find it to be the truth. Our conduct matters. In conduct, Jesus proved that His Father was God. In conduct, His enemies, His opponents, proved that they were enemies of Christ. They proved that their Father is not the God of creation, but they, but they actually proved that their Father is the devil. And that's what Jesus t- told them in the passage, big long passage that we just read. Your father, he didn't say maybe, might be, could be. He said, your father is the devil. These are the men and women who profess to believe in Christ. Just just a few verses before this. The multitudes of people of this generation, they they lay claim to God. They claim to have faith. They lay claim to salvation. Yet in their doing, in their conduct, they prove otherwise. Verse 39 says, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if Abraham's, if you're Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. The Jews insisted, Abraham is our father. They profess to be adhering to the teachings of their father, Abraham. The pattern of faith in God is what they're, they're proclaiming that they're doing. It is true, they're descendants of Abraham. But true children of Abraham act like Abraham. Abraham was a man of extraordinary faith. I had a granddad that was a man of extraordinary faith. He's the closest thing to perhaps what Abraham would have been that I have ever known. He's the closest thing to to what Moses might have been of anyone I ever known. He loved God supremely and nothing else came anywhere close. And what what an example that he left for me and for his whole family. But just because he was a great man of God does not guarantee that his descendants are all children of God. It doesn't prove or it it doesn't always uh, pan out where they're they're children of faith. They can even be children of the devil. So it's not through birth that we come to faith in the truth. It's not through flesh, but it's a new birth, a new kind of birth. It's a regeneration that is caused, it's initiated and called by the Lord. But Abraham, he was of extraordinary faith. He believed in the Lord and the the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Our Lord calls upon them to demonstrate the righteousness that Abraham had by saying, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Verse 40 says, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, 
which I heard from God as Abraham did not do. See, Jesus explains, I have told you the truth. Now you want to kill me for telling you the truth. You know, there may come a time when you, as a true believer, you may be martyred, murdered because of telling the truth, but because you don't denounce your Lord. There may come a time when you may have to take the mark or die. Not if you're in the church, but if you're left behind and you take the mark, that'll save you for a little while. But ultimately, those that take the mark will be doomed, according to the Scripture. But Jesus explains, I have told you the truth. Now, we can't create our own truth, can we? I've heard people say, well, the way you interpret the Bible and the way I interpret the Bible and the way he interprets the Bible, the Bible is not a matter of our own interpretation. The Bible interprets the Bible, and we have to take the Bible as the truth. We don't have our own truth. We don't create our own truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and his word is the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. God's Word will stand when everything else falls completely apart. The truth is offensive, I want you to know, to the unregenerate. The truth is offensive to the world. The truth of God do not set well with a rebellious people. Oh, well, you're not tolerant. You don't believe in tolerance. You don't believe in loving everybody. Oh, yes, I do. But I believe in staying uh, in the confines of what the Scriptures tells us. Love righteousness and hate sin. Now, Jesus is the great light that shines in the darkness of a sinful world. We know that. He came into the world. He brought light into the world that was sitting dead in darkness. He brought light into the world, and he exposed sin. He exposed sin, that which is hidden. It was hidden, and Jesus exposed it. And that's why so many today don't want to hear the message of the gospel. It holds them responsible. It shines light upon their sin. It makes them responsible. It exposes their situation. They don't want to be condemned. So Jesus is the great light that shines in the darkness of a sinful world. He's exposing sin, even that which uh, uh, seems to be hidden. And the truth of God's Word brings condemnation on those who hear it, and they ultimately reject it. We're supposed to preach it and teach it anyway, but Jesus is the great light that shines in this world, and we need to keep being a reflection of that wonderful, wonderful light of Jesus Christ. He may have departed this world, but His Spirit is here with us, and He he tells us to to be a reflection or, or to be light, to be salt to the world. How are we doing? We could make some improvements, couldn't we? The Jews, they desire for murder. They desired to murder the Lord Jesus Christ. And this exposed them for who they really were, for what, for what they really were about. These Jews who wanted to kill Christ, it exposed them for the murderous uh, character that they had like their father, the devil. They were doing the work of the devil. Satan, by the way, is the originator of, of murder. Did you know that? He is the originator of lying too. And these were rebellious because they were imitators 
of their father, the devil. They were actually children of his. But Jesus makes it clear to them here in verse 41. He says, you are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. So they were infuriated by Jesus. His words infuriated them. They could not stand to hear what he had to say. They, like their father, wanted to put an end to this Jesus. The devil wanted to put an end to Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He thought he won the victory, but three days later he proved wrong. He was proven wrong. And they were doing the work of the devil, and they they wanted to put an end to this man named Jesus. But Jesus tells them, you're doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now look at this. He says, you're doing the deeds of your father. Now, I've heard some teachers that get up in the the pulpit and teach that your deeds don't matter, that your deeds doesn't really matter. One one prominent Bible teacher that I enjoy very much, he says he, he made that statement many years ago that it didn't matter. You were still saved. Well, perhaps you're saved, but your deeds will tell on you. What you do is what you want to do. What you do is what your heart's desire is to do. Now, this appears uh, to me to be a mockery here when they said we were not born of fornication. This appears to me to be a mockery, undoubtedly a reference to the controversy surrounding the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary. So there seems to be some controversy here. This appears to be a mockery. And the implication in this verse is that Jesus was born of sexual immorality. It is as if they say, we're not the ones who were born of fornication. You were. You're the one who was born of fornication, not us. As Jews, they insisted that in saying, we have one Father, God. It's true that God was their was the father of all Israel in a national sense. But in a spiritual sense, he was the father only of those who truly come to saving faith. Those are the ones he's, he's the father. You know, many believe today, oh, he's, 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 he's everybody's father. We're all children of God. No, we're not. Only those that come to faith in Christ are the true children of God. You see, Jesus is making a distinction here. Otherwise, he would have told them, oh, oh, you're all children of God. Come on in. We're all good. But he says, you do the deeds. You're doing the deeds of your father, the devil. Now, these were men who were created by God. These are men who were descendants of Abraham the chosen, uh, the, and the chosen nation of Israel. But Jesus tells them, you're doing the deeds, you're doing the works of your father, the devil. Verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded uh, forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Anyone who is... Anyone who is born of God must love Jesus Christ. There's no way to come to God but through and by Jesus Christ. No one can love Jesus except he be a child of God either, by the way. 
If God were your father, he says, you would love me. You see, those who say they love God yet reject the one who proceeded forth and came from him cannot be true children of God. You want to know why there's so much evil in the world and so many people profess to be Christians? It's because they're not true children of God. So, by rejecting the Son, they're rejecting the Father also. So Jesus asked again the rhetorical question here in verse 43, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. Now, they could not comprehend him because they couldn't hear his word. The lost man who hears the word of God is going to respond in one of two ways. He's either going to get mad or he's going to get saved. He's either going to reject it or he's going to accept it. He's going to go one of two ways. He's going to get mad or he's going to, he's going to get saved. And the message of Christ is sweet to the hearing of you and I. The message of Christ is sweet to the hearing of the few, but to the multitudes. To the multitudes, it is very bitter to the rest of the multitudes. We value Jesus more than all of the world, but the world could care less about this Jesus. You see, the hearing of the good news of Jesus Christ and his, and his persistent, relentless claims either brings repentance and faith or it brings hardness of the heart and it brings bitterness. The danger of not wanting to hear develops into a person if they don't want to hear long enough. It develops into a not able to hear. You hear what I'm saying? If a person goes so long not wanting to hear, it can lead into a position or a place or a state of not being able to hear. The Bible refers to it as a reprobate. A reprobate mind, a mind that does not perceive, it does not accept, it does not desire, it can't listen, it can't fathom, it can't comprehend the things of God. And that is the danger of pushing back when the Lord is calling people to come to repentance. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Now, Jesus comes right out and he exposes who their true father is in verse 44. I've already told you, but it says here. These are Jesus' words, which are far supremely above mine. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, we'll try to peel this onion real quick. They had previously accused Jesus of having a demon, didn't they? You recall, they accused him of having a demon when he said that you seek to kill me. And they'll do so again in this discourse. They'll call him a demon again. 
But they were indeed descendants of Abraham, but to be called children of Abraham, they were not qualified. They were not qualified to be called his children because they do not have the same faith and obedience of God that Abraham had. But here Jesus exposes their, who their real spiritual father is. He says, you are of your father, dot, 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 the devil. That's plain. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Spiritually and morally, they were children of Satan. Keep in mind, just a few verses before, these were those who, who supposedly believed. You see, coming to Christ is not a half-hearted decision. Coming to Christ is not something we just flippantly do and say, okay, we're good. We wrapped that up. Let's go back out and have a good time. But these were indeed descendants of Abraham, but to call themselves children of Abraham, they weren't qualified. And spiritually and morally, they were children of Satan. There is a Belmont com company that I want to mention in our old hometown, Lebanon. And that sign... Uh, uh, down, down there in our neck, neck of the woods, it has this little red man uh, with horns on his head on this sign right in town. And he has a pitchfork in his hand. He has a spear tip on his tail. And on the sign it reads, The devil made you do it. The devil made you do it. Now, it's certainly true the devil is powerful. The devil is extremely powerful. He's extremely cunning, yet the devil is subtle. And the devil, he reigns in this present world as we speak. And, he, and he's wandering to and fro, the Bible says, seeking whom he may devour. That's why we have liquor stores on every corner. That's why we have the, uh, the, the, the nudity places in the big cities. That's why you've got pornography all over the Internet. Because the devil is wandering to and fro. Listen, he is subtle and he is powerful and he is, and he is a liar and the father of lies and he is tripping up all of this generation. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's not to be messed with. The devil is wise. I've heard people mock and talk about what they tell the devil, tell the devil, tell the devil this. The Bible teaches us not to have any communication with the devil. The devil is cunning and he's very, very wise. But the devil can't make us do anything. The devil can't twist your arm and make you do anything. It is only when we give him control that he has control. You give him the controls of your life and he will have control of your life. He will drive you into addiction. He'll drive you into a broken home. He'll drive you into places that you thought you would never find yourself if you allow him. If you give him the controls to your life, and I'm speaking to you over the Internet if you're listening tonight, if you've given the, the devil the controls of your life, ask God to give the controls back to you that you may give them to him. Let God be the controller of your life. The problem that lost humanity has is it has a want-to problem. The problem that humanity has is that it has a want-to problem. I've come to realize 
and I know you have too, that people are going to do precisely what people want to do. That's why they shop around for churches. They shop around for pastors. Find me one that will tell me what I want. Don't find me one that's going to that's gonna cause me to have to make corrections in my life. Just give me one who will make me feel good about me. Give, give me one who will fulfill my desires. I can have the best of this world, and I can have the best of the next world. But the truth, the Bible says the truth will make you free. And he that is free is free indeed. So you want to be free? Come to the truth. Accept the truth. Jesus is the truth. He said, I'm the way of the truth. See how it all fits together? Accept Jesus Christ if you want truth. But I've come to realize that people are going to do what they want to do. And, and if their want to is evil, then they themselves are evil. If we want to do evil, then we ourselves are evil. So the Bible says the one who practices sin is of the devil. Those are plain words. Christians, modern-day Christians, they, they, they seem to, to, uh, to enjoy sin, and they seem to enjoy the protection of eternal salvation. There's something wrong with that, and it's completely twisted from what the Scriptures teach. We have eternal salvation if we have salvation. If we have salvation, we hate sin. We're, we're not followers of the devil, but we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love what he loves, and we hate what he hates. Now, these Jews, they want to do the desires, the Bible says, of the devil. These Jews, they possess the characteristics of the devil. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So, if it looks like the devil, acts like the devil, desires the things of the devil, it's of the devil. Don't be fooled by those who are good speakers and, and can uh, uh, craft a, a sermon in a way that, that releases you to live in the way that's pleasing to the devil and that's offensive to God. They would not accept the truth that Jesus spoke. We know the devil is a murderer from the beginning, the Bible says. But they didn't want to hear the truth. And Jesus said that the devil does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. That's why you can't listen to him, by the way, is he's a liar. He will tell you a lie in a minute. He will orchestrate a lie for you and cause you to trip up. But the Jews would make false accusations against Jesus ultimately leading to his crucifixion. Jesus said that when, uh, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, from the Garden of Eden came the lie that led, that led to the ruin of the human race. All the way back then, there was Satan in the Garden of Eden. His deception continues to deceive today as he disguises himself as an angel of light. In this world, in this present time, he will, he, will, he will disguise himself as an angel of light. Now, Jesus goes on to say here in verse 45, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. So 
as children of the father of lies, they will not stand in the truth. They will not tolerate the truth. They will not tolerate sound doctrine later on. Here we are in the church age. They will not endure sound teaching, sound doctrine. They won't tolerate it. They will not receive the truth. They will not accept the truth. Oh, how they love their darkness greater than light. The Bible says that men love darkness greater than light. How they prefer a lie over the truth. But Jesus, in contrast to his opponents, lives in the truth. He is the truth, and he proclaims the truth. Do you want the truth? That's Jesus. He is the truth. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is a lie in relation to Jesus. If it contradicts with what Jesus says, believe what Jesus says because that's the truth. Jesus challenged his opponents with two rhetorical questions. Here in verse 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? So many false accusations had, had, had been launched against Jesus. But he is so committed to doing God's will that it is impossible to show any connection between Jesus and sin. No one could convict him based upon truth. Jesus could have never been put on the cross if it hadn't have been for the lies. They could never put him on the cross for blasphemy. They could never put him on the cross for any other offenses because everything that he did was good, everything that he did was truth. Jesus said, I speak the truth. Why do you not believe me? Well, the Lord gives them a reason in this next verse. He says, he who is of God hears the words of God. He who is of God hears the words of God, and for this reason they do not hear hear them because you are not of God. These aren't pleasant words. But these are people who were denying Christ. You may know people today who are denying Christ. And we can't always handle them with, with, with padded gloves and, and just trying to be gentle and easy, but they've got to know the truth. If the truth is what sets them free and you want them to be free, you have to tell them the truth. Verse 47 says, He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear because you are not of God. To be His to be his truth is what we have to accept to hear god is not a matter of being able to discern audible sounds but obeying the heavenly commands his commands matter he didn't give us the 10 suggestions but he gave us the 10 commandments and the bible is full of other commandments The greater commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. These are not suggestions. These are commands. God commands us. He demands us to obey. We're a set-apart people. We're a different people. We're a different nation. We're the nation that Jesus is coming after. Jesus' opponents reject the heavenly word was was a clear indication that they were not of God, nor did they belong to Him. So in closing, Jesus demolished the false hope of being uh, a child of Abraham, the false security that, that the Jews sought in being Abraham's descendants. It was demolished. 
Though they claimed to be children of Abraham, both in lineage and in faith, Jesus made it clear to them that spiritually speaking, they were actually children of Satan. Except they repent. Except they turn from sin, they were doomed to share in the devil's punishment in a place called hell. The same holds true today. For all who base their hope on anything less than the work of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ, he holds all the hope and all the truth that we need. Stand with me if you will.